1: It's me, Austin, and today I'm telling you facts of the world, part one. North America, USA. Did you know that the United States of America was formed in 1779? Many countries tried to claim it was theirs. Spain, France, England and the Dutch colonies all fought for their own part of this land, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton and a few others to to unite the 13 colonies made by the British to form the United States of America with the first president, George Washington. The Louisiana Purchase was made in 1803 and it was 828,000 square kilometres for $15 million. Cuba Cuba was the first ever communist country in North America. Cuba's first president was Fidel Castro and he was friends with Mikhail Gorbachev and other Russians. Canada. Canada was first occupied by the British and the British thought they were the first to colonise or find North America. But the Vikings discovered Canada and Canada was... Fighting over the UK for becoming independent on the first of july eighteen sixty seven with the help of the USA. Mexico. Mexico was the first colonized by Christopher Columbus and he had successfully made a whole empire, but in the South rebellions formed and overthrew the Spanish, and the Mexico fought for Texas, California and Arizona. Panama. Panama was the first colonised by Christopher Columbus but Gran Colombia overthrew Spanish and then the north of Panama pushed them all the way back to South America and then made a canal to touch the Pacific and the Atlantic and Caribbean Oceans. South America Brazil is the largest country in South America and has over 200 million people The capital city of Brazil is Brasilia, but most people think it's Rio de Janeiro. Brazilians also speak Portuguese. Did you know that? Argentina is the ninth largest country in the world. Also, Argentina's capital, Buenos Aires, is home to over 15 million people. Even Argentina has fought over the Falkland Islands and now owns it. With the capital Port Stanley. Peru has three quarters of the alpaca population and also is home to the tallest building, Machu Picchu, on the Andes, and is home to one of the largest birds, the Andean condor. Chile is the skinniest and the longest country you would find. Chile is home to Easter Island. Which has these heads. Now, these heads are called Moai heads, called Moai heads. And Chile has the most southernmost city, Punta Arenas. Colombia is the only country to be named after Christopher Columbus and has the capital of Bogota and was called Gran Colombia before it became what we know today. If you don't please, now we're looking over our new damn style. If we like, we stay for maybe quite a while. In and make it dry. If we sneaking up upon it carefully, there will be a head for you, a tail for me.
2: hear what I hear? A baby cry. Where we finding baby? There are milk nearby. If we look in baby buggy, that could be
1: plenty milk for you and also some for me. (laughs) Bye. <laughs>
0: The Merchant was a very rich man, and he lived with his six sons and his six daughters. He was an important man in the town, and he rode through the streets with his head in the air, with his six sons and his six daughters behind him. Nothing troubled him. In his house were six chests full of gold, more money than you could dream of. But this did not last. One day... Six thieves broke into his house and stole the six chests and burned his house to the ground. Nobody would help him. Why should they? He had never helped anybody else. Grendon was forced to live as a poor man, with his six poor sons and his six poor daughters, who couldn't get used to the idea of being poor. All except the youngest girl, Beauty who worried for her father as he was sent out to find food for the family. Get me new clothes, clucked her older sisters. Get me some ale, said the boys as they pushed their father out into the cold where he stumbled and fell. Beauty went to help him. Thank you, Beauty, my dear. What can I bring for you, he said. Father, said Beauty, all I need is a rose, a simple rose, I would not trouble you for more. And so off went the old man to market. He could not sell the buttons he'd made nor the baskets he'd weaved, and set off for home again empty-handed. As he walked, a terrible storm broke out, and Grendon got lost. He battled against the wind and the rain, and never knew which way he was heading. But soon in the darkness, he found a doorway to a palace. Is there anybody home? called Grendon entering the great hallway there was no reply but he could see before him a banquet fit for a king Grendon sat and ate alone wondering who had laid the table before him he ate his fill and soon found a room where he could sleep the next morning the storm had passed and Grendon rose in search of his host but nobody was there He left the castle gate and saw a red rose growing in the gardens. "'There's the rose for my beauty,' he thought, and picked it. "'Who dares to pick my flowers?' bellowed a ferocious voice behind him. Grendon was shocked to see a beast dressed as a man, an ugly beast, standing behind him. "I "'I was picking it for my young daughter, Beauty. I am sorry.' I thought that no one was here, said Grendon. Then you must send her to me, or you will die, said the beast. Send her to the castle, and she must, by her own will, choose to live with me. Grendon returned home with a sad heart, but of course Beauty insisted that she should go to the beast's castle, because it was she who had asked for the rose. Grendon took his daughter back to the castle and the beast repaid him with all the gold that he could carry. Beauty loved the castle and the gardens which were so pretty that she was very lonely. The beast came to see her every evening after dinner and always asked her the same question. Do you love me, Beauty? he would say. How can I love you, Beast? she replied. You are a kind and gentle person, but I can never love you. The beast went silently back to his room and Beauty felt sad for him. When summer came Beauty noticed the roses blooming again in the garden and she wanted so much to see her father, her brothers and sisters again. And so that evening after dinner when the beast appeared she had a different answer for him. ''Do you love me, Beauty?'' said the beast. ''I will love you forever, Beast, if you let me return to my family,'' she said. I'm so lonely without them. The beast stopped for a moment and thought. I will give you this ring, he said. Wear it for me. I will let you go to your family for six weeks, and then you must return, or I will die without you. Just hold the ring and wish that you were back with me, and you will return. Oh, thank you, Beast, she said, running from the castle as fast as she could. She was home in two days, and her family was so happy to see her, especially her father, Grendon, who had grown old and weary. Beauty loved being at home. It was so strange that she'd been away, but she knew that time was short. Six weeks seemed to pass like a day, and soon it was gone. All of her family tried to persuade her not to leave home. Beauty thought that perhaps she would not return to the beast. And she looked at the ring on her finger that he had given her... and cried as she fell asleep on her last night at home. The next morning she had decided to stay... which made her family really happy. It breathed new life into her father. But as each extra day slipped by, she felt sadder for the beast... In her dreams she saw the beast lying in his garden, as if he was dead. She had to return. She could not let him die. She said goodbye to her family the next morning, promising to come again when she could. She turned the ring on her finger and said the words, ''I wish to return to my palace and see my beast again.'' Suddenly she was there, in the gardens of the great palace, But the beast was not to be found. That night after dinner he did not come, and Beauty was really quite afraid for him. When she had eaten, she walked into the gardens to the spot where she had seen him in her dreams. And there in the moonlight was the lifeless body of the beast. "'Oh, how selfish I am!' cried Beauty. "'I have killed my beast! I am so selfish!' Beauty kneeled over the body of the beast and cried. It's all my fault, she said. I'm so sorry. I never knew how much I loved you, beast, until now, when you are gone. You tell me that you love me, came a deep voice. It was the beast stirred by Beauty's words. Yes, yes, said Beauty. I love you. Then I shall live, said the beast. And with that, a star fell from the night sky and kissed the beast's head. In its light, beauty could see that the beast was transformed into a handsome prince. Life itself spread around the garden. The old castle, too, had come to life. The beast was a beast no more. And beauty was never sad again.
2: was once a wicked magician who lived in Africa. One day, he learned that outside the walls of a certain great eastern city, there was a secret cave, and in the cave, there was a wonderful lamp, which would make him the most powerful man in the world, if it was handed to him by a boy by the name of Aladdin. At once, the magician started out for the city. Now, Aladdin was the son of a tailor called Mustafa, who had died when Aladdin was very young. The boy was supposed to be learning to be a tailor like his father. But he didn't care for the work very much and was always running off to play with his friends and getting into mischief. It didn't take the magician very long to find Aladdin. Pretending to be kind and friendly, he told the boy he was his long-lost uncle and Aladdin took him home to meet his mother. Naturally, the poor woman was very surprised when her son arrived with a richly dressed stranger but the magician had brought gifts of food and money, and so he was made welcome. The next day, the magician said he would like to buy Aladdin some fine new clothes, but instead of taking him to the shops, he led the boy outside the city walls. Aladdin couldn't understand why and asked where they were going telling the boy he would be well rewarded, the magician led him to the lonely spot where the secret cave lay hidden. Here, the magician made a fire and sprinkled some magic powder on it. Suddenly, the earth shook, uncovering a large, flat stone with a brass ring in the middle of it. Aladdin was very frightened, but the magician promised no harm would come to him as long as he did as he was told. Together they pulled up the stone and under it saw a flight of steps leading down into a cavern. Slipping a magic ring on Aladdin's finger, the magician ordered him to go down into the cavern and bring out a lamp he would find there. When Aladdin got to the bottom of the steps, he was amazed to see that the walls of the cavern were studded with jewels and all around him there were bronze vases full of gold and silver still here Ladin scooped handfuls of the coins into his pockets then taking the lamp from its niche he started back up the steps towards the daylight have you got the lamp called the magician anxiously yes i have it hand it up to me ordered the magician not until i'm safely out of here i'll give it to you as soon as i'm above ground again this made the magician very angry he raved argued and pleaded but Aladdin stubbornly refused to part with the lamp... until he was out of the cave. Black with rage, the baffled magician... slammed the flat stone back into place... throwing some more powder on the fire. Once again, he made the earth shake... and it covered up all trace of the cavern. Furious, he returned to Africa... without the wonderful lamp he had come so far to possess. Trapped in the pitch darkness of the cave... Aladdin put his hands together to pray. In doing so, he he rubbed the magic ring on his finger. And instantly, a genie appeared. He said he would take Aladdin anywhere in the world he wished to go. Aladdin told the genie that all he wanted was to be free again. And at once he found himself outside the cave... with the lamp in his hand. For quite a while... Aladdin and his mother lived comfortably on the gold and silver which the boy had brought home in his pockets. But the day came when all the money was spent, and there was no more food in the house. Aladdin wondered whether he could sell the dirty old lamp he had brought from the cave. And to make it look better, his mother started to clean it up. The moment she rubbed it with a cloth, a huge, weird creature appeared. I am a slave of the lamp. You are my master. Come and I obey. Although he was very scared, Aladdin managed to ask for something to eat, and immediately the table was covered with golden bowls filled with delicious food and golden goblets brimming with wine. The next day, Aladdin sold the golden bowls and goblets, and got so much money for them that once again he and his mother lived comfortably for quite a while. All too soon, however, they were hungry again. But this time, Aladdin knew what to do. He rubbed the wonderful lamp, and again the slave of the lamp appeared and made a banquet appear by magic. Very soon, Aladdin was asking for fine clothes for himself and his mother, and a new house, and new furniture... And as Aladdin became braver and braver in his commands to the slave of the lamp... ...so it came to pass that Aladdin, the son of Mustafa the tailor... ...living in a magnificent palace and adorned with priceless jewels... ...was married to the sultan's daughter, the beautiful Princess Yasmin. Now, when the magician far away in Africa learned what had happened... ...he knew at once that Aladdin must have escaped from the cave and be in possession of the wonderful lamp. So mad with jealousy, he set off once more on the long journey to the eastern city. When the magician saw Aladdin's palace, which only a genie could have built, the magician was more determined than ever to get the wonderful lamp for himself. First, he bought some new copper lamps. Then, disguised as a peddler, he walked under the princess's window, calling out, New lamps for old! New lamps for old! Hearing his cry, the princess remembered Aladdin's old lamp. Thinking it might please her husband to have a new one in exchange the princess told one of her slaves to take the old lamp out to the peddler, little knowing, of course, that it was magic. Eagerly, the magician gave the slave a new lamp and seized the one that she gave him in exchange. At last, the wonderful lamp was safely in his grasp. He gave it a rub, and instantly the slave appeared, saying, Master, command and I will. Laughing triumphantly, the magician ordered, Transport me, the palace, and the princess to Africa. The sultan blamed Aladdin for his daughter's disappearance and told him that if he valued his life, he must get her back. Aladdin was in despair. Then he remembered the ring the magician had given him before when he went into the cave and hurriedly rubbed it. At once, the genie of the ring appeared. Take me to the princess, commanded Aladdin. And instantly, the two lovers were reunited. Together, they worked out a plan. That night, the princess slipped a powder into the magician's wine cup, and he fell fast asleep. Climbing in through the window, Aladdin heaved the magician over his shoulder and carried him outside. Untying the wonderful lamp from the magician's belt, Aladdin returned with it to the princess. Summoning the slave of the lamp, Aladdin commanded that the palace and all in it be returned to the eastern city, and the magician woke up, just in time to see it flying away. Safely home again, Aladdin and Yasmin lived contentedly in their lovely home, with the slave of the wonderful lamp, ready to grant their every wish. And when the Sultan died, Aladdin succeeded him, and with Yasmin as his queen, ruled the land wisely and well, in happiness and peace.